So we're continuing our series on questions and answers for a little bit. And in the next couple of episodes, I'm going to respond to a question about evolution in the Bible that spills into broader questions about faith and science. I hope you find it helpful. Stay tuned. Hello friends, Pastor Tim Westermeyer here. Good to be with you today. We're continuing uh, right now this series on some answers to questions that have been submitted to me. And I confess this is taking a little longer to get through them than I, I initially thought. Not a big deal. Uh, but we're actually going to do, uh, the next two episodes are going to be basically on one question. Um, and it's a really important question. I'll, I'll read the question and then I'll sort of talk about how I want to address it. Uh, the question is, how should we balance theories of evolution, archaeologic findings of things millions of years old, with the Old Testament narrative, which seems to say that the first humans were created within the last 10,000 years, shortly after the universe was created? Should we understand that the Old Testament's historical references are symbolic? So it's a long question, again, basically about evolution, about uh, biblical interpretation. But even more broadly, it goes to this theme, we've talked about it before, about faith and science. So I will answer the question um, that, he has, that the questioner has about uh, evolution in the Old Testament. I'll get to it. But I guess I want to say first a couple of preliminary things. And, and by the way, broadly, I guess I would say this episode, we'll, we'll discuss some preliminary things. And then, you know, you know the old line about in a marriage or a wedding, uh, the bride's supposed to wear something old and something new. Broadly, I'm going to talk today about stuff that's older, so the Bible and a couple of other older theologians. The next episode, we'll talk about something much more recent, but they all go to this question of faith and science. So, some preliminary thoughts. Um, I've talked about this before, but in my opinion, uh, the supposed conflict, and I use the word supposed very uh, advisedly, the supposed conflict between faith and science makes us as Christians unnecessarily apologetic and defensive about our faith. We uh, take in these myths and these misconceptions about that conflict that are all around us culturally. We assume they're true. Uh, we assume that, well, as Christians, we must be backwards. We must believe things that don't have anything to do with reality, and therefore we should be ashamed of our faith. And this is an example, again, we've talked about this before, of how uh, things that are wrong culturally about Christianity, it's not often that they're just a little bit wrong. Uh, very frequently, they're 180 degrees wrong. Uh, and in the case of faith and science, um, and even in two episodes, we can't get into all of this, but I would argue, and I've said this many times, we live in a culture that values science and the scientific method, not in spite of our Christian heritage, but because of it. Science, I would argue, grows out of our Christian uh, understanding of the world. And we'll actually get to that a little bit in the, the Genesis story in a moment. Um, a couple of just points to reinforce how critical this is. Uh, there's a recent book for youth uh, around uh, youth ministry, and the opening line says, many things threaten the faith of youth today, but none more than science. And again, the presumption there, I think, is young people say, well, I don't believe in faith, 
because I believe in science, which is a category error. It's not that they're binary. It's not that they're opposites. And again, it's not that they're even in conflict. But in order for those young people to understand that, those of us who are Christian need to do a better job of telling what the true story is. Um, and I, I remember two years ago, I, I visited a woman um, in the hospital. She, had, she was in lockdown in the psychiatric ward. She had just tried to take her own life. And so I went and visited her the first question she asked me was, Pastor Tim, why aren't dinosaurs in the Bible? Now this is a woman in crisis who wants something to hold on to. And for her at that moment, the faith evidently was not that thing in part because the Bible doesn't talk about dinosaurs. So in her mind it was, well, it can't possibly be true then, right? All right, so again, the question Oh, actually, excuse me, let me say a couple of things, again, sort of broadly about how really important Christians have talked about faith and science. Um, and they would have used different language, natural philosophy maybe when they lived rather than science, but it led to the same thing. So Augustine, we've talked, there was an episode we did about Augustine. He lived back in the fourth and fifth centuries. Here's what he said, long time ago to his early Christian friends, it is a disgraceful and dangerous thing for someone to hear a Christian, presumably giving the meaning of Holy Scripture, talking nonsense about the natural world. And we should take all means to prevent such an embarrassing situation in which people show up vast ignorance in a Christian and laugh it to scorn. So in other words, if you are going to Take, if people are going to take us seriously as Christians, then those of us who are talking about the Bible, let's say, or Holy Scripture or God, better not be talking nonsense about things that are provable. Okay, that's a way of saying it. And then Aquinas, one of the towering, he lived in the 13th century, one of the towering geniuses of certainly the last millennium, um, he had this sort of way of looking at the world in which he said there is only one truth. Okay, uh, I think that's right on. And what he said is because the faith is the one truth, truth, nothing discovered in nature, what we would call science, can ultimately contradict the faith and the corollary, because the faith is the one truth, nothing deduced from the faith can ultimately contradict the facts. Okay, so if, if they seem to be in opposition, it simply means we don't understand either the faith well enough or that we have a limited understanding of the facts of nature. Those are, again, two of the most important Christian thinkers ever uh, reminding us that there is no conflict uh, theoretically uh, between faith and science. Now, the gentleman's question about um, evolution and archaeological findings, and I will turn, I, we talked about this a long time ago, but I'll turn to the first two chapters of Genesis to make this point. And I'll begin by asking the question, and you're welcome to pause this and write down the answers if you'd like. In, in the creation account, uh, what's the order of these three things that are created? Man, woman, and animals, okay? You, write down your answer if you want, or if you don't want to bother, you can just listen to me continue to talk. Okay, if, if you pause, now we're back. <laughs> um, it turns out it's a trick question because there are two different creation stories in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And they do not line up 
They're uh, mutually incompatible. Um, in the first uh, creation story, Genesis 1, the animals are made first, and then man and woman are both made simultaneously, okay? Uh, in Genesis 2, the creation story tells us that man is made first, then animals, then woman. Now, I want to be very clear again about this. I am not pointing to um, uh, theologians. I'm not talking to ph about philosophers. I'm not talking about preachers talking about the Bible. I am talking about the biblical witness itself. The first two chapters of, of the Bible, they don't line up in terms of how they tell the story of creation. What can we deduce from that? Whatever else you deduce from it, it reminds us that the authors of those uh, two chapters were not trying to tell us how it happened. They were trying to answer other questions about the story of creation. Among the kind of questions they wanted to, to answer, this is not exhaustive, as always, uh, but partially they were saying, hey, the world had a beginning. We'll come back to this in the next episode, by the way. Most of the religions of the time that Genesis was written thought the world was just eternal. So they were saying, well, no, we think God actually created the world in the beginning, God. Um, it tells us there's a special relationship between God and humankind and also between humankind and the rest of the created order, which is why Christians take seriously stewarding God's good creation. But I would argue one of the most important things that these stories tell us and which point ultimately to the way forward for developing the scientific method is this. The religions back at the time that Genesis was written uh, believed that as human beings we should be bowing down to things like the sun or the moon or the animals that were the mysterious animals in the deeps of the sea or in the forest, right? Because they were godlike. And with amazing clarity, the authors of Genesis said no. If you want to bow down to something, bow down to the God who made all things including the sun and the moon and the stars and the animals. That's who you should bow down to. And that also then does what? It frees us to study all of those other things, those created things, and allows us eventually to study them even scientifically. Again, that comes from a very deep instinct in the Christian tradition. So, as I expected, I have a feeling this is a little longer than usual. This is a really important topic. I hope you've been able to stick with me. In the next episode, we'll pick up uh, this again. But in the meantime, be well, stay in touch, and God bless. Mm -hmm.